So I want to welcome you to our five-year anniversary. Some of you obviously walked in here today having no idea that this was a special service or anything like that. You just came. Maybe because of our sign. Maybe you've been meaning to come for a while. Maybe someone forced you to come in here today. But you're here. And you get to share in on a very special, intimate moment for this church as we celebrate five years, really, of God's faithfulness to us. Now, some of you are maybe saying, I didn't know churches had birthday parties. That's okay. That's okay. This really isn't a day to celebrate Harvest City. That's not what today is, you know. Today is a day to celebrate what Jesus has done over the last five years. One of the things we try and do every year is we just mark a day on the calendar around this time, and we celebrate His faithfulness to us, what He's done in people's lives, just the things that we can say, that was God, that was Him, that was answered prayer, that was Jesus' grace in our lives. And just before we carry on at all today, I realize some of you maybe don't feel comfortable doing this. Some of you will feel fine. But I just thought if we could just take a moment to be thankful to him. Like that song sings, what he has done for us is so incredible. And we're going to celebrate some of those stories just now. But maybe there's a moment from your last week or your last year, or maybe being part of this church over the last five years, where you actually want to say, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. So if you're comfortable closing your eyes, can I ask you to do that now? We just want to reminisce, we want to remember, we want to look back, and we really want to thank Him for His grace, His love, His truth, His goodness, His glory, and His beauty. Lord, we thank you for the last five years of this church's life. We thank you, Lord, for every time you've been honored, every time we've met and we've sung your praises, every prayer you've answered, every person that has begun the journey of following you, every person that has... Thank you guys for coming, Brins. That's so, so kind. And Shell, you spoke so well. This is an amazing, amazing church. And I just thought, I, I don't want to do much speaking today. But I did want to say on the 11th of August, 2013, in the wee hours, the early hours of the morning, R. Kelly started to wind down a concert that was going on at People's Park near Moses Mabita in Durban. And some of you would have been awake through that concert. It was very, very loud. And then a few hours later, some of you started to wake up and go towards the Botanic Gardens in Durban, where we hired out a conference center and where we had the first Sunday gathering of this church, which at the time was called Red Point Durban. And there were just under 40 brave, pioneering people who decided they would be part of that core group that believed God actually wanted to start a new church down in the city of Durban. And we're excited to kind of join him in his purposes and in what he was wanting to do in the city at the time. And I preached from Acts 14 verse 21 that morning. And that verse just very simply has become probably a core verse of this church, a pillar verse, a big idea behind what we do. And it says this. 
when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. So gospel, city, disciples, or discipleship. And I remember speaking about how Jesus was wanting to do that same thing again today in Durban through an ordinary bunch of people like us. And I spoke about us becoming this loving community. Jesus says, um, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That we would be a loving community, an authentic, vulnerable, honest, real community. That we would be a community of people that were shaped by the gospel. That was the center of everything we did, the gospel or good news of Jesus. And that people would come to know Jesus and would grow in their faith and would begin to follow him and live their lives for him. And over time, actually, we would start to see people in every single area of their lives, from our money to our sexuality, to the way we make decisions, to the way we speak, to the way we do relationships, all of that stuff, everything would be shaped by him. And we would do that for his glory. That was the idea behind what we did. And I reread that sermon twice this week. Uh, it was average. It was okay. But I think the vision behind that really still captivates my heart. And it had me a little bit choked up in Glenwood Bakery over a delicious um, Eggs Benedict yesterday. But the last five years has really flown by. I can't believe that was five years ago. And I'm sure some of you who've been part of that journey feel exactly the same. The years have flown by and we've all grown. Some of us, our metabolisms have slowed down, so we've grown in that way. Some of us have gotten married or started a new job or bought a house or had kids or have gone through some big changes. Some of us have gone through some big ups and downs of life over those five years, whether you were here back then or not. But that time has gone by really quickly. But I think as I've kind of reflected and thought back over that time, I just feel like it's been an amazing growing period. I know for me personally, leading this community, God entrusting me at the age of 26 with a church. I don't know what he was thinking, but he, he's pretty smart. He knows what he's doing, you know. But I mean, we've grown a lot over that time. We've matured. And I've watched some of you change completely as Jesus has been at work in your lives, in your hearts. And today what I, I want to do is I want to hand over the mic. I could kind of speak and talk about our vision and our mission and what we're about and where we're going. But we thought rather than me doing that or someone else preach that message today, we'd get five different people from our community up today to almost share how that has been lived out in their lives. How over time, the gospel has transformed hearts and transformed lives and people have grown as disciples of Jesus and how that Acts fourteen twenty one verse has been realized inside of people. Some of the people who share today have become Christians or have started following Jesus in this church, some of them have just taken their next steps. They've gotten to know him better, have grown in their faith, have followed him over the last while. And I just want to say, I realize in this room today, there's people in a huge spectrum. Some of you are visiting us here today to celebrate with us. Some of you are in town, which is such a cool thing. Welcome. Some of you are here because someone forced you to be here. And this isn't really your ideal plan on a Sunday. Some of you are exploring Christianity. And today you just happen to wander into this celebration. And some of you have been here since day one. You were in the trenches that first Sunday at Botanic Gardens, or over the years you've joined the story, and you've watched these stories of the people who come up unfold, and their lives changed and seen them get more involved. So this morning, I think there's a lot to celebrate. I trust God will encourage you and really bless you by what is shared. But I've uh, looked over what the guys are saying today, and I really do believe it's going to be powerful. So Dom, why don't you come up and join us up here? We're excited for what you've got to share. Hello, Harbour City. Woo! Okay, firstly, let me just say it is so great to be up here with you and celebrating such a, a really, really cool occasion. For those of you who don't know me, hi, my name's Dom or Dominique because my mom calls me when I'm in trouble. Um, but I was one of the 
few members who helped plant um, what we now call Harvest City. Um, I'm a newly returned expat and I'm an ever-growing Christian. I'm so grateful to have been asked to speak today and I can only hope that what I have to share can impact you in a positive way. Um, but I'm really just going to tell you the story of how I came to Jesus, but more importantly, how he came to me. Oh, okay. So everyone comes to Jesus differently. Um, I grew up in a Christian household who only attended church um, on Easter and Christmas. And this wasn't because of my parents' lack for Jesus, but really because they had been burnt by churches in their past and they chose to take a step back um, from the church community. So um, it wasn't until I met my Josh in 2012 that this changed. So for those of you who don't know who Josh is, you'll probably know him as the cappuccino man here at Harvest City who served you a much-needed cup of coffee this morning or is one of the many architects who call this church their home. But to me, Josh is my boyfriend of seven years and the person who reintroduced me to the church. Um, he's the one who sat with me while I went round and round in circles asking those big, unanswerable questions um, about the faith, and which I'm sure that we have all asked or maybe that you're asking at the moment. Side note, I just want to say that that's okay. Questioning can, be, um, can only lead to discovery, so keep asking those big questions. So mine went something like this, surrendered to Jesus, who says I'm not strong enough or capable enough to make my own path in life? How can you love a God who lets bad things happen? Um, Christians are hypocritical and judgmental. How can Jesus still be relevant today if the religion is based on something that happened so long ago? My first step was going to Red Point Pine Town. And despite all my guards and expectations, I was immediately struck with how normal and friendly everyone was and how the church was just filled and filled with love. I couldn't believe the true, genuine interest in me and my life that people had and continued to have each week I went back. Then I remembered being in the audience for Grant's first preach. He came up to the podium with his Bible, his cool as ever haircut, and his mini finger skateboard. <laughs> And he delivered an absolutely groundbreaking preach, which changed my life. And I remember thinking, wow, he's so cool. And he follows Jesus. Slowly after time and getting to know these people, being cool and a Jesus follower stopped being mutually exclusive. The more time I spent in church, the more my boundaries and perceptions of who Christians were um, and what the church is began to fall away. And after a few months of breaking down those external walls, God began to break down internal walls. And I began to understand him as a loving, gentle God. And I began to trust him above my own decisions. So a few months down the line, I gave my life to the Lord. And it seemed like not long after that, I was asked to be part of the group that planted Red Point Durban. I remember feeling inadequate and underqualified, like a baby in the faith. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know a single verse in the Bible, and I didn't feel ready to plan a church. Side note, Jesus doesn't want perfect people who know all the rules and scriptures, but rather people who will follow him to where he has called them despite feeling unready. So with the start of the church, I pitched in, served, worshipped, and connected with our small family of pioneers as it started to grow. But one thing always held me back, and that was that I couldn't shake the feeling of being a new Christian. 
I'd gotten so used to my identity of being the newbie slash baby Christian that I didn't push myself to grow. Then about a year or so later, my family and I accepted an offer to move and to immigrate to Bangor, Maine, USA. Now, if you haven't heard of it, don't worry, neither had I. <laughs> it's basically so far north that it may as well be Canada, and to summarize in a few words, it would have to be small towns, tiny, tiny towns, pine trees, snow, like up to here, um, hunting, and huge trucks. No doubt very different from here and way out of my comfort zone and the life that um, that I had left. So... Trusting God to take care of my relationships and provide a way for me, I packed up my life and I totally left. I landed up in a flaming Pentecostal church made up of 14 people, all about 30 years older than me, um, where the services lasted about three hours. I remember feeling uncomfortable again, truly out of my death, but somehow in that strange world, God found me in ways he'd never had before. I had to rely on him and cling to all the things he was doing in my life. Side note. In faith, comfort zones hold you back. You need to constantly be aware of becoming complacent and a lukewarm Christian. And it took me moving to the top of the world to figure that out. So since then, I've had the incredible ability to travel around the world and experience church life outside of this church, church, which I still call home. But whether the church was in Germany, Greece, America, South Africa, I was included in a global church and witness God actively working in all corners of the world. So despite being so far away, um, he's always provided ways for me to come back home, come to this church. And I've luckily been able to celebrate all of this church's anniversaries in the past. And it's been like snapshots, snapshots of the church's glory over time. Um, I've seen the scenes we planted um, in the beginning come to fruition. Babies becoming little children. Um, and new faces joining our ever-growing family. So lastly, to end off, I just want to say whether you're a new Christian, an old Christian, or someone who's in between and figuring it all out, that's okay. Never stop asking questions and taking steps. Um, don't settle because what's waiting for you on, this, on the other side of your expectations or fears or self-proclaimed boundaries is good and one heck of an adventure. Thank you. Morning, Upper City. <laughs> yeah, um, for, no, for those who don't know me, my name is Kolilani, aka XO. Teza to the chosen few. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm quite um, privileged to come and share my God story with you guys this morning. Um, yeah, uh, so XO um, was born to a church attending family. I won't say Christian because um, the word is such like a big one, but um, every Sunday was a routine, you know, go to church, even if we didn't like to, because, you know, kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it was good though, but I started to resent that because um, of all the religious rules and as a teenager, um, you know, I didn't want to be restricted, so um I started rebelling, you know. Um, besides that, though, um, like my upbringing was quite respectful, you know. So, but through time, as I said, I started rebelling, hating the idea of church. Um, started to lie, um, just to get out of going to church. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I got started getting pressured, influenced by school friends, 
into be, being part of the clique, you know, alcohol, girls, and stuff. Um, this led to, like, a number of undesirable sins. Um, I started to drink alcohol. Not much, though, but, yeah, <laughs> enough for, for, for me to be out of character, you know, because that was never me. But, um, I f- like, I fell into lust. Some friends introduced me to pornography. And, um, you know, those, those things brought more lies and more sins in my life. Um, but later, um, I accepted Christ in my heart, began to follow him, started a journey of transformation. But I wouldn't say that the, the, the journey was like a perfect slide, you know, so easy. There were times where um, I, I made mistakes, stumble, and, you know, re- regretful things. But um, God kept me through that walk, you know. Um, looking back now, I just thank God for, for the lessons and him leading me to Durban. This is where I actually came um, to our city, which I now call home. Um, yeah, um, so the journey with God through three or four years, I forgot when I actually <laughs> started coming here, but three or four years in Harbour City has been glorious. Like, um, I've been challenged to live righteously just by watching how God works with people, through people my age. So, because um, where I was before, like, there were, like, much older people and, and stuff, and I felt that here... I felt at home, and I knew that um, I can grow as the people are growing here. Um, like, um, I was shaped by the word. Like, my knowledge of God's word has continuously um, grown, like, by, by, like, hanging with people around the church. And, um, like, and people, like, I've come through people who have put me in my place. Um, Eugene. <laughs> but not in a harsh way. And that has helped me, you know, grow spiritually and um, community. Um, community has been like a God-given gift. Um, I've actually never felt like a God-fearing community as I do now. Um, an example of that is feast night. Not necessarily the food, although the food is quite good. But, <laughs> you know, um, the space, the space that is open for us to spend time getting to know each other and, you know, becoming a big family and I, f- I felt that that's the, one of the ideal ways I've seen um, us grow as a community. Um, my knowledge of the word has grown through the years. Even in the past year, my prayer life has grown from nothing, which is quite great. Um, like, I've learned to integrate gospel in my workplace. Um, like, how to um, engage people the way we should, you know. Because um, I felt that transition from Peter Marisburg to here it's quite the environment is quite different so the change of how you engage people is quite important and I've learned that through the years and yeah um the word too like um being part of live group sessions um which are full of mind-blowing God-filled teachings I'm forever challenged and convicted by the Sunday teachings which always show show me and, and show me that I don't know as much I think as I think I do <laughs> but yeah um yeah um and i'm i'm always like i'm grateful because like god is kept speaking and, and kept working in me and um i just thank him for every single day continuously um working through me so yeah thank you
Good morning, Harbour City. Um, <laughs> my name is Samantha Ngong and I've been part of Harbour City for about two years. Before I was part of Harbour City, my understanding of Christianity was very religious. I, I was taught that God gives performance-based love and that if you, give, if you do good, uh, he'll bless you and he'll love you. But if you fail, then he withholds his blessings or he loves you a little less. And unfortunately, I took these, um, this ideology with me everywhere I went. Um, so grace was a foreign concept to me. My upward relationship with God was reflected with my in my interactions with uh, people. I was easily angered, uh, wrote off people very quickly. Um, often because of the smallest reasons and the biggest victims were often my family. Shame, they've been through so much. Um, Constantly having to win the approval of uh, religious leaders and the general community became such a burden for me. So I ended up building these high walls to uh, block me from the rest of the world so nobody ever knew what was going on inside of me. And bottling up all these emotions just made me frustrated and more angry. Then I entered Harbor City, where grace is not only taught or preached, but it's practiced. Um, I started accepting my flaws. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting a bit nervous. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I started accepting my flaws, and I understood that I'm on a journey, that I will not be perfect overnight. And this realization um, made me understand that other people are on their personal journeys, and I need to be a little more patient and understanding with them, because that's exactly what God is doing in my life. Um, as a result, I've learned to learn more about God's love um, this resulted in me being more forgiving and being less angry with others. Now I am confident knowing I am loved by God despite my imperfections, and that brings me peace. Thank you. Morning, guys. Sure, nobody cried there. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I've got a... Yeah. Big shoes to fill, yeah. So, good morning, guys. Um, my name is Keegan, uh, and I think I've probably been a part of this church now for just a little bit over a year. So, it's been exciting, it's been daunting, it's been challenging and nervy, and a whole lot of emotions all in one. So, please just bear with me. I, I'm very teary, so it will come at some stage. So, just all smile at me. <laughs> no, you guys are so good. Um, so, I thought, like, because I have like a teacher's background, I thought I need to try and sort of calm myself down and, and go through a sort of process to get my, my message across. So I'm doing the whole school thing and I'm going to speak from the heart in a little way and then I'm just going to sort of read from my notes like normal teachers do. So firstly, um, for me the big theme today is just people and I think people can impact you in so many different ways. Um, so my question to myself was when I was sort of writing this was knowing of God and getting to know Him. Um, so this is through stories and scriptures, um, and this is all done by us, by, by people. Um, and what makes a great love and relationship with Christ um, is when people make each other grow in a better direction um, than they would have if they were to grow on their own. So I think that's how people sort of can make a massive impact um, in our lives. Um, so let me just start off with my childhood. I, I came from like a sort of uh, Christian-based family, but we never really went to church. So it was for me, it was just the fear of the unknown. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to expect when I when I came to church. So I probably went like a few times, and I was like, "Yo, really freaked out by by what people would say and what people would do." 
Um, and then my wife, Janine, was like, Keegan, you know, we're engaged and I would love to just explore faith with you. And I think it'll be great for our kids one day. And I was like, you, you really are right. Um, and I think, again, that fear of the unknown and, and not knowing what to do and what to say and, and how to act was a big sort of uh, block, a mental block for me um, to actually come to church. So the first thing, and I, I think I said it when I did notices the other night, like feast night, man, that was it was a good experience for, for a number of different reasons. Like uh, Janine said, we're going to this feast night and there's going to be church people there. So straight away in my head, I'm like, can I make sort of any excuse not to be there? Because <laughs> it'll, it'll just put me in a position that I've, that I've never been in before and I didn't really know. So we went uh, and I, I was introduced to a whole lot of people and I, I still never forget uh, meeting Grant. And Janine like bumped me and she was like, this is the pastor. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so I haven't quite finished my story. Um, <laughs> so the first part was like, this guy's not wearing a collar. So, so he's different. He's not all dressed in black. Um, and he's just a normal person. So for me, that was a big sort of tick um, and a big positive in my step and my journey towards just sort of celebrating uh, being in this community. Uh, and then... After that, we went to a marriage course. We were engaged, and we went to a marriage course that was for married people. So I blame Janine for that one. But that led us to then meeting Sonia and you. And <laughs> Shane, sorry. You can see the nervousness here. <laughs> I remember the important people. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Nerves, nerves, nerves. Um, and yeah, so that was another journey towards us sort of being introduced uh, to the church. So we came and Janine again forced me to come for the first time. And I remember stepping in here and being like, people wear slops to church. Like this is, this is unheard of. Um, and people were just normal again. So it was, it was honestly like an eye opening experience. So we got introduced and then we were introduced to, uh, Brenz and Kimmy. Um, and I still remember, uh, Brenz sending me a message and being like, Keegs, we'd love you to come to our house and, and share with us and come have dinner. And it was Life Group. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. Um, and then I remember saying to Janine, like, I wonder if we'll be invited back. I didn't know, like, if, if, we, had, if we had really said the right things. And, and, and if I can just sort of digress a bit, like, it's one of the most amazing opportunities to share, like, time with people, like, in their homes, in our own homes, and just be ourselves. I think so often, like, we put on you know, show for people, and and I, I often like just think to myself, Keegan, why did you say that? And and I just like nobody judges me when I was like, especially in Brands and Kimmy's house, and and that again was just such a fantastic, like sort of opportunity for me to be introduced to the church, and that led us to, well, Jenny and I both being baptized, and and that was again another amazing experience, and something that just brought me closer to God, and it was it was just fantastic. So, um, I thought as I was going through. One of the, the things that I really struggled with was just connecting with God, you know, and just knowing how to connect, you know, how to pray, like, you know, how to be a good Christian. I don't think there's ever a, a right way to be a good Christian, but I just think it's something that you continuously have to keep working on and exploring and just, you know, spending time with God. I think that's something that we're all, we can all be very, really good at, and we can also be really, really bad at. And um, there's often times that we go weeks, days, however long it is for you as an individual, and it's just... Yeah, it's just good to sometimes have people, and again, I'm going to say it, like people who you can connect with and they remember to bring you back down to earth um, and just to connect with God. So Sundays are an amazing opportunity, but for those that, you know, that are still exploring the faith, like going to life groups and just sharing with people, like honestly, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity to make friends, 
Um, family is a big thing, and to just help you, I don't want to say become a better Christian, but just to help you in your faith and just to be your own person. Um, so one of the things I often feel is, that, is like that I'm not worthy. Um, I'm selfish, too, like too preoccupied to spend lengthy time with God. Um, and, at, and at times that is true. Uh, I don't feel confident always sharing. As you can see, I haven't cried yet, which is fantastic. Um, and, and, and I don't always have the answers. Um, but I feel a connection with God that I never, ever did before I stepped into this church. And I think that's something in itself is so amazing. And it's something I never had. And that for me is just the most positive and like overwhelming experience that I think I've had in the last year and a half. So for me, um, being vulnerable and sharing, um, and like I said to you, being able to to pray uh, out loud is, is something that I was really challenged with because it's, it's just, again, like being vulnerable. And I think it went back to sort of like my sporting like life where, you know, you have to put on a show and you have to, you know, show the opposition that, you, that you're strong and, you, you know, like you can get through it and you don't want them to see your weaknesses. So I think I found that hard to do in my personal life and coming to church. So for me, that's a, it's been a massive, massive step um, for me to try and get over. Um, and then just lastly, one of my biggest growth areas as a person has just been my relationship with God. It's so unique. Um, I've often struggled to find how best to connect with Him and how to open up my heart. Um, vulnerability, and, and I can relate that to you know, sort of a whole lot of things that are happening in my life. But if there's one thing I can say in ending off is just like keep exploring your faith and, and stay positive. Um, like things will get better, and we have such a great community that will help us out. Like we as a, as a couple have had a lot of tough times lately, like well, what we think is tough, and like the overwhelming support has been there, and I've just never had it before. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share, and yeah, thanks, guys. Hello, Harvest City Church. Um, sure, I feel a bit archaic coming up here with like real life paper notes and everyone's had phones and iPads, but I'll give it a go. Um, so for those of you who don't know me um, or recognize me from Grant's Hug and Architect shout out two weeks ago, um, my name is Daryl. Um, Grant has just asked me to share a little bit about um, my walk towards the arms of Jesus. So I was born in, in this beautiful city of Durban. Um, I lived my early years in the coastal town of South Broome down the south coast, my high school years in Kloof, um, and then I studied architecture in Cape Town and Bloemfontein. And then I eventually made my way back down to this epic city of Durban. I was lucky enough to be born into a wonderful and loving family with two strong, consistent, and supportive parents and a little sister who pretty much just really blows anyone else's um, claims of having the best sister in the world out of the water, I'm just saying. So I grew up being lifted and supported through every hardship and every achievement. I was taught to believe in myself, to challenge and stand up to anything that I didn't believe in, to observe and question the world around me. My dad is pretty much the most intelligent and steadfast person that I know, and my mum is free-spirited, fiercely loyal, and compassionate. So from an early age, I thrived at school and was praised for every great accomplishment. I suppose as a child, I quickly associated my performance with love and therefore worth. By the time I reached high school, this was second nature to me. My self-value and my worth revolved around achievement and being the best at everything always. <laughs> I was the clever, strong-willed, opinionated girl. I'm sure you all knew one of those. And that was pretty much my identity um, for many years thereafter. So having founded my value on performance for most of my life, the minute I failed, 
got a bad mark at school, didn't get all the A's that I wanted in matric, didn't get chosen for the leadership positions that I wanted. Um, I ran in the opposite direction of achievement. My defense mechanism was teaching myself how to run away from difficulty, hardships, failure. So in turn, partying, drinking, the affirmation of people, being cool, whatever that means, um, materialism all became means of escaping any small potential for failure. So from the outside, I probably appeared perfectly normal. At the time, I truly believed that nothing I was doing was out of the ordinary for someone my age. And actually, it wasn't amongst the people that I knew at the time. So if anything, I was actually doing a lot less than everyone else was doing. So it just shows you that escape truly is the drug of this cultural era. In my mid-twenties, I suddenly blinked my eyes and found myself stuck in a constant cycle of striving for validation. Fear of failure, escaping to something else, and ultimately this led to a state of constant heartbreak in every aspect of life. Round and round, again and again, the disappointment was relentless. I was never enough for anything. Anne Foskamp calls this the refrain of life. I fall because I am broken. And she goes on to add, I rise because I am beloved. Except that I had not yet realized that I was fundamentally beloved. Anger, resentment, and inadequacy were the fruits of this endless pattern. My identity was completely empty. All the things that I had relied on to make me me over the years were now just unreachable shadows in the distance. When I found myself floundering and scraping my way through my masters, I was brought right back down to earth, and the harsh reality of what an identity devised by me out of the things of this world actually looks like. It's not pretty. During these years, I, was ma I managed to maintain my friendship with a, a close school friend. We met up occasionally, and she listened to all of my crazy stories, which, of course, I thought were 100% lucid. She, wa she watched the cycle spinning time and time again. She never once judged me. She never offered ideas or advice on how to fix me. She, never, she knew all of the answers to the search of mine, but there was never even a hint of condemnation. Somehow this friend, who most of you probably know, it's Kimmy Cole sitting right over there. She managed to trick me into coming to Red Point Durban, a literally trick, um, to help her, wait for it, set up decor. So if I were to, to pick one moment where the trajectory of my life was forever changed, this would be it. Who knew that an arrangement of glassware and penny gum could alter? <laughs> this church loves penny gum, guys. <laughs> could alter the course of a life. Well, Jesus definitely did. At the time, I was intrigued, but if I'm perfectly honest, I was pretty much willing to try anything to escape the refrain of life that this world offered me. I had absolutely no idea of the journey that lay ahead of me that I was about to embark on, the ways my life would be turned upside down, every truth, lie, every sense of normalcy, would be challenged in all of the hardest and most beautiful ways. Harbor City has been like one of those huge, messy, but totally endearing families. I hope that image is as clear to all of you as it is to me, because I mean it in the best possible way. It's like a meet the parents, little Miss Sunshine kind of way. <laughs> in this family, there's every type of character, people from all walks of life, from every little part of the city people you wouldn't otherwise meet or spend time with. What a privilege it has been to learn to appreciate all of God's expression of love through people. 
Along with this family comes an immense serving of beauty and good, and also some of the harsher details of life. At Harbor City, we never just see the highlights real. It's not social media, guys. We see the pain, the hurt, the messiness, the blind spots in all of our lives. I've witnessed unbelievable vulnerability, bravery, and courage, which gives every person here permission to face the hurts in their own life. This has enormous power. It has given me the deepest understanding of love, community, steadfastness, and resilience that I have ever known. At Harbor City, I witness people living out every aspect of serving each other, serving the outlier, and through this, serving God. Above all else, if there has been one overarching focus to the lessons that I have learned here, it would be that this life is about love and it's about people, and that is it. The play between the two. And that our comprehension of love and people cannot exist in isolation from each other. We cannot love God without loving people, and we most definitely cannot love people without understanding the love of God. Our greatest commandment is to love our God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and our second greatest is to love his people. The world tells us that we are broken, we are failures, we're never enough, and in the very next breath, it teases us with all the promises of the possessions, people, things that will make us perfect. Because perfection is a human illusion, we will never get to it, and so we ultimately just feel more broken, more damaged by the lies. This is a cycle, a pattern, a perpetual battle woven by the devil. What I do know is that Jesus came to break that monotony. He came to say, yes, you've been broken. Yes, you failed. You'll never reach this world's goal of perfection. But no failure of yours will ever make me turn my face away from looking at you. This is Jesus Christ's relentless pursuit of you and of me. It is consistent, it's constant, and it's unwavering. It does not change. Part of the ongoing narrative of restoration in my life has been to change the question of what's in it for me to how can I praise and thank him. I used to see my relationship with God as simply a way to escape my struggle into freedom and peace. So I was basically using him to make my life feel better. I think I'm currently in a season of, of this mindset shifting to one of looking at God instead of trying to get him to look at me. We all know he's already doing this for each one of us. When you turn your eyes to look up at him, anger and aggression become love and patience. Running away from hardship turns to looking straight into the eyes of hardship with as much strength and dignity as you can muster in that moment. Resentment and blame turn to forgiving people who do not necessarily deserve my forgiveness because of the very fact that Jesus forgives me for so many things that I definitely do not deserve any show of grace for. Part of this journey is being able to find this clarity in the midst of the moments of pain, of confusion and heightened emotion. It's a thing that humans are not very good at doing. This is an ongoing growth towards finding God in the everyday in the Ephesians series that um, we've been going through as a church recently, we've been shown what an identity in Christ looks like and how this begins to inform and transform your everyday life. Jesus is in the friendly greeting to the person packaging your groceries at Checkers. He's in the patient help shown to a mostly annoying colleague. He's in doing the work that you're called to even when your motivation is low. Jesus is in the whisper. 
this is what a journey to restoration looked like for, or looks like for me. This is transformation, redemption, all-conquering love. This is the promise of a day, a year, a life spent looking at Jesus.